Lord Jesus, we want to see you move. Uh, not just because, man, it'd be cool to see God do some tricks, uh, Lord Jesus, but because we need your power. We need you to come and move in our hearts and in our lives. We need you to speak to us this morning. We need you to change us in the deepest parts of who we are so that we begin to look like who you are. Would you do your work in your church this morning? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are on week three of working through our spiritual gifts uh, series. The first week was kind of just an overview on what are spiritual gifts. Last week, if you were here, you remember we were talking about uh, the danger of spiritual gifts when not partnered, married with character and maturity that come through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. The spiritual gifts that God has given us can actually be dangerous to us when we don't have his character. And this week, we're going to start walking through uh, some of the actual gifts themselves. And as we go through the gifts, um, there's going to be four questions that I ask with each gift, ask and answer. First, what is this gift? Like, sometimes we hear some of these gifts and we go, oh, cool, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that word means. I've never seen that before. What is that? Second, how do I know if I have that gift? What, what does that gift actually look like, kind of played out? Third, we're going to talk about why is this gift important? It's one thing to go, hey, God gave it, here's what it is, good luck. But why are these gifts, these specific gifts, actually important to us as a body? And the last thing we're going to look at is some of the dangers. What do these gifts look like when they don't have character or maturity married with them? I want to kind of give a full picture uh, of these gifts. Here's like textbook what it is. Here's what it actually kind of looks and maybe even feels like if you have this gift. Here's why we need you to use this gift. And here's some things to be careful of if this is your gift. Does that make sense? Remember the amens, the head nods? I got a thumbs up from somebody. Loud and clear. We can move on. So, uh, if you guys remember, we're tying this into our, our vision as a church. Every person involved in kingdom life. The reason that we exist as a church is to help every person we come in contact with become involved in kingdom life. Remember, real quick definition of kingdom life. There is a king. You're not him. Neither am I. We are called to love and serve the king faithfully. In every area of our life, every day, not just Sunday mornings, we are called to be participants in the kingdom, kingdom life. But we cannot be fully involved in kingdom life without understanding and utilizing our spiritual gifts. These, these gifts are given to us to work among each other to advance the kingdom, to build one another up to help others who don't know yet about the kingdom enter in and to push the kingdom forward. We cannot do that unless we understand and utilize our spiritual gifts. So the first gift that we're going to look at today is the gift of service, or sometimes it's called the gift of helps. Let me tell you real quick kind of my approach uh, to gifts as we work through it over the next couple weeks. Uh, some people, as I've been doing a lot of reading and researching online and in books and everything, a lot of people categorize gifts. Like some would say there's love gifts, there's word gifts, and there's power gifts. And kind of each gift fits neatly underneath one of those things. Uh, and there's a bunch of different ways that we can categorize spiritual gifts. 
for me, though, it's always been confusing. It, it hasn't been something helpful. I spend more time arguing with the author, going, no, 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 that one should be over there instead. It makes, it makes way more sense. Or this one should be under all three. Because you use words to love people, and the power of God is made known, so it's, it should be all three of them. And I just get tangled up in that. And so like most things that I tell you, look, if this is something that's made by me, I've kind of come up and go, this helps me to think about it. If it doesn't help you, let it go. Move on. I've kind of done the same thing with this. I think sometimes we try to draw two hard, clear-cut lines between this gift and this gift. Or, or between this kind of gift and this kind of gift. And the fact is we don't find that in Scripture. In Scripture, what we find is we're going to read through some of the passages here today, uh, the Apostle Paul writing in a couple different places, and he just kind of lists them. And some of them you go, what does this one have to do with that one? But they're right next to each other. And then in a different book, he'll list them again with some of the same verses in a different order with different gifts there. I don't think that Paul was too worried about it has to fit in this category or this category. And so I'm not going to get too concerned with it. If as you go home and you guys are all like diligent studiers and you're going to Google it and try to find all the stuff on spiritual gifts, right? Where's my, where's my amens? Okay, you said amen. Now you have to do it. But no, uh, I'm kidding. But you will find some of those things. And again, if they're helpful to you, use them. If they're not, pitch them. They're man-made. They're, they're an attempt to help us better understand how these gifts function in the body. And so if you come across some and they're helpful, use them. I didn't. I'm pitching them. The way that I'm going to look at these is there's certain gifts that just kind of dovetail together. Certain gifts that it's not uncommon. If you have this gift, you may also have this gift. Not every time. Sometimes we just have one or the other or it's a different mixture. But it's not uncommon for them to work together. That's kind of been my thinking as we go through. But again, it's man-made. I've made this up. If having some of these gifts sandwiched next to each other doesn't help you process it, let that piece go. Okay? There's going to be a response at the end of every message where you have an opportunity to respond. If, if this is a gift that you think the Lord is placing on your heart, I, I, I'll tell you then and I'm going to tell you now, it's going to take boldness for some of you because it will involve getting out of your seat. And for some of you, that's the most terrifying thing I could ask you to do, and I understand that. But I'm going to ask you to be bold and to respond to these gifts. That's what I'm after, is for us to respond to the Lord in the giftings that he's given us. So I'll explain more about that later. But again, don't get caught up in the order or in any of that kind of stuff. If it's not helpful, let it go. Really what I want is for us to come into this going, Lord, I want to know the gifts that you've given me and how to better use them. Would you speak? Does that make sense? So if anything outside of that isn't helpful, I probably made it up and let it go. Okay? All right. So starting in with the gift of service, or sometimes it's called helps. I'm going to read a couple passages uh, where this gift is mentioned, and then we'll answer those four questions about it. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. That word um, helping there is the same word. We're going to read a different passage here in a minute where it's called service. It's the same word. It's the same gift. Paul just goes, God has gifted some of us to help one another. Or later he says, to serve one another. 
there is this unique gift given by the Holy Spirit that enables us to come alongside and help one another. Uh, Romans 12, 6-7. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is, encour- if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I love how Paul puts it there. Look, there's all kinds of different gifts. None of us are like made exactly the same. We've got different gifts. And he starts going through them. But when it comes to service, if it is serving, then serve. He says, don't complicate it. If your gift is to serve, then serve. Kind of enough said, period. On to the next one. If your gift is serving, then serve. If your gift is to help other people, to come alongside other people, then do it. Don't complicate it. So what is the gift of service? One writer said it like this. The gift of service is to render support or assistance to others in the body so as to free them up for ministry. To come alongside other people and to serve oftentimes in some of the menial day-to-day type service things that frees them up to use their gifts for service. Some of the gifts that we're going to talk about, and today we're going to talk about two of them, they can seem, they're less flashy than some of the other gifts. When we get to miracles and healing, a lot of people want to know, ooh, how do I get that gift? Can I get that gift? That seems like a fun gift. And when we talk about service, sometimes it's, Eh, not as fun, not as flashy. But this is one of those gifts that without it, we as a church will die. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. To serve, and again, some of the menial way, not the flashy stuff, not going to get your name on a plaque someday, most likely, but in a way that frees others up to use their giftings and abilities. How do I know if I have the gift of service? Again, one, one writer says, those who have this gift do not seek recognition or a position in the spotlight. They just love to help out. They're content with serving in the background, knowing that their contribution will bless the church, display the love of Christ to the world, and bring glory to God. These are the kind of people that just enjoy serving. These are the kind of people that when they hear, hey, so we're going to show up early because we got to set up, or we need some people to stay late and to tear down, the first hands that go in the air. These people find joy in serving. Now listen, there's a difference between finding joy and fulfillment in doing something and saying, oh, it didn't cost me anything. I I gladly cleared my whole schedule so I could do that. No, for all of us, there's some juggling and there's some times when, you know what, I'm just tired. But there's this joy and this fulfillment that comes from serving because I know that in doing my part, I'm blessing the church, I like how they said this, displaying the love of Christ to the world and bringing glory to God. Maybe it's through stacking chairs. Maybe it's through bouncing a kid on your knee in the nursery. Maybe you look at some of those ministries and you go, you know what, to coordinate, let's let's look at children's ministry, to coordinate the children's ministry that we have and the curriculum and the volunteers and all the admin that goes with it, oh, it's overwhelming, I couldn't do it, no way. And some people go, then I'm not supposed to work with children, let's say. Those with the gift of service are going, I can't do all of that. But if I can show up and just love on these kids and serve in this way, so that the person who is supposed to do all of that administrative stuff can be freed up, 
man, I'd be blessed to do that. Is this making sense? There is a joy and a fulfillment that comes with using our spiritual gifts. That doesn't mean it's always easy. That doesn't mean that we're always just clicking our heels at the end of it. Sometimes serving's hard, even if you're gifted in that way. But there's this kind of deep foundational, I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do when we use this gift. So why is the gift of service important? It frees up others to do ministry according to their gifts. Uh, one of the best biblical examples of this gifting is in uh, Acts chapter 6. Um, the church is kind of coming together. It's blowing up. 3,000 people came to the church in one day, and now there are more being added every single day. And the church is just expanding like crazy. And there's 12 guys, 12 apostles, who are kind of heading up the whole thing. And they're spending their time praying for the church and teaching and preaching. And thus far, things have kind of been handling themselves and going pretty smoothly until all of a sudden, racism in the church turns, rears its ugly head. And there's uh, this widow's ministry that had been, somebody started, somebody well-meaning started, and widows could come in, those who had no way of supporting themselves, and the church would, would take donations from people, sell them, and use that money to help the widows. And it was this, this beautiful thing that started, but all of a sudden, no one was there kind of manning it, heading it up, and racism came in to where now, if you were a Jewish widow, you got your needs met. If you came from a pagan culture, if you were Greek or Roman, you were, you were second class. Maybe if we have some left over, we'll meet your needs. And, and all of a sudden, this, this ugliness started rearing its head. And so the people came to the leaders of the church, to the apostles, and they said, we need you guys to fix it. This is wrong. Something has to change. And Peter said, you're absolutely right. Something has to change. But our gifts and our calling lie in preaching the word, lie in leading the church forward into new areas where it's not yet been, it would be wrong for us, they, they say, to come and to serve tables. Now, sometimes we read that and it's kind of this condescending. We think like Peter's going, oh, I'm so above serving at tables. That's not his heart. He's going, the, the calling that God has placed on us is we have 3,000 plus, we don't know how many it is, to teach and to train up because they're coming from pagan backgrounds. They're coming from a Jewish understanding of who God is and, and things are messy right now and we need to make sure that people understand who Jesus is. We can't call time out on that to deal with this problem. And so they didn't say, so tell those ladies to fend for themselves. They looked for those who were gifted to serve, to step in in that area and to make sure that everything was dealt with fairly. And so Stephen, the martyr, is one who's called in. Listen, Stephen had some other gifts, administration and some of the stuff we're going to deal with, but his heart was to serve. And it freed up the apostles to do what they were gifted to do. Coming in and stepping in with Awana, with children's ministry, with whatever, and going, look, I'm not going to lead this whole thing because that's not my gift, but I can show up faithfully and I can serve. I was thinking about it this morning, and I was going, man, I wish someone with the gift of service would tell me, hey, on Sunday mornings, I'll make coffee. How many people drank some coffee from the coffee thing out there? Did you die? <laughs> Not my gift, okay? I don't even like coffee. The only coffee I drink is the coffee that doesn't taste like coffee. And so here I'm making black coffee every Sunday morning while I'm getting the message ready and kind of running back in and going, oh, wait, wait, the coffee. And today I didn't even have my normal coffee pot, so I'm trying with that bun coffee maker. Okay, 
that thing, I added like eight things of water to it and I got out like a thimble full and I don't understand it. So I'm finally making coffee and as I'm going through this and going, wouldn't it be sweet? Now, I can continue to make coffee. This is not a, please, someone come and make coffee. Though some of you that drink the coffee may be going, please, someone else come and make the coffee. I can't even tell if it tastes good. It all tastes like somebody burned a tree, ran water through it, and now we're drinking it. But some of you love it. And I think it's an important thing to have coffee. It's kind of, it's a welcoming environment thing to have some coffee. Should I be the one making coffee? I'm telling you, I shouldn't. I have, like, some of it seemed really strong, and so I kind of watered down the next pot to try to maybe even it out. I don't know. Wouldn't it be sweet if somebody who had the gift of service, there is no gift of coffee making, but someone willing to do it. (laughs) I would say that's under the natural human talents abilities. No, who knows? Some of you may think it's a gift, and if so, more power to you. Wouldn't it be sweet if somebody just goes, you know what, like, I can serve in that way. So that he doesn't, A, have to screw it up every Sunday. And B, so that he can focus on what he needs to focus on. Getting things ready for a Sunday morning. Like, that would just be a sweet partnership. Again, if no one comes in, it's not like, I'm, I'm not like right now, like, taking applications for coffee makers. And like, that's not the point of this. Just an illustration of how a simple act of service can free others up to do what they need to do. Is that making sense? Okay. So why is this gift of service important? It frees others up. But there's, I, I truly believe there's an even deeper importance to the gift of service. And, and this one we're going to talk about with almost every gift that we go through. We're, gonna, we're starting with service right now, so we're going to spend a lot of time on it. And I'm going to kind of keep referring back to this principle because I think it applies to every single gift that God has given us. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 The Apostle Paul writing to the church, and he starts with this. And he personally, he being Jesus Christ, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the training of the saints in the work of ministry, and to build up the body of Christ. Now, we're going to talk about this when we get to some of the gifts in there. Sometimes the gifts are an office in the church as well, but not always. But every one of these offices is tied to a gifting that God has given. And so looking at the gifting of apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher, I missed one, prophet, what is the purpose of God calling people to use those giftings? Shout it out. To train the saints in the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ. When I look at the gift of service and I go, why is this so important? Not just because I need one or two of you to show up and, and do coffee or chairs, or, but because God has given you that gift. And again, this is going to apply to all of them. To use you to train other people to serve. You guys understand that, right? We as a, a, a church, like a big global church, are called to be servants. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Before Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray where he's betrayed, he's in the upper room with his disciples and they just celebrate the first communion. And then it says that Jesus shows them the utmost of his love by doing what for them? Washing their feet. 
Jesus said, you want to know, like we just talked about the cross and what's going to happen there. And they celebrated communion, even though they didn't get it yet. It was straight over their head. But he says, now let me show you the full extent of my love. And he got down on his knees and he did what the house servant should have done. Peter even goes, whoa, 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 time out. You're not doing that to me. Like, you're Jesus. No way am I letting you serve me. But Jesus is teaching him here. Everyone who follows me is called to live like I live. Not to be served, but to serve. Now, for those of us that don't have that gifting, we hear that and we go, oh yeah, I should be better at that. And we're going to try hard. And we're going to do what we can do to serve. What we need as a body is for those who have the gift of service to lead the way. Not just, okay, somebody needs moving, and so, yeah, I'll show up. But who are you calling and inviting to show up with you? Who are you linking arms with and going, hey, here's an opportunity to serve. I'm going. Will you come with me? So that you can train up the church in how to serve. So that the body can be built up through service, not because now we have a few people who are gifted in it who are doing all the service, but because you're leading the way and you're bringing others with you. You're linking arms. I'm going, there's this work day, there's this thing in the community, there's this hole that needs filled. I'm going and I'm bringing some of you along with me. Because that's why God has given me this gift. Not just for me to use and feel fulfilled on my own, but because we're all called to serve. We need people to train us. We need people to show us how that's done with joy, with a selflessness that we won't get on our own unless those who have the gifts are using them. So the question isn't just, how do I use this gift in me? The question is also, how do I bring others along with me? So let's look at the gift of service without character. This, this gift of, of helps that God gives when it's not married with maturity and how that can be dangerous. Service without character can take on a very look-at-me type feel. Man, every time the doors are open, I'm there. Everything they need, I'm there. And it can become a very prideful thing. You guys understand the antithesis of character and maturity is pride. You, you can't have both. Not in the kingdom. So, so we could say, what does character look like with pride? What does it look like without, or excuse me, not character, service look like with pride? It can become a very look at me. Service can become a very bitter thing. Because how come no one else cares as much as I do? How come I'm always the only one there? I'm poking a little fun. But really, and it can become this bitterness. It's always me. No one else is showing up. And this bitterness begins to take root because my service is about me. Uh, how come they don't thank me enough? I got a card one time when I showed up and served. I haven't received a card since then, but I keep showing up. It's a thankless job and this bitterness. Sometimes this self-importance, I know that I'm called to serve and there's this kind of like pulling on my heart when I see the opportunity but that's kind of beneath me. That's not important enough. That's not flashy enough. And so we say, no, we deny using the gift because what if that's beneath me? The, the last one I'll talk about is there can be kind of this codependency that comes in. We take joy in being needed. 
I like the fact that they have to call me. It makes me feel important. Now, here's the thing. It, it feels good to be needed in the body. That's, that's a natural thing. But it can become this very proud mentality. They wouldn't get anywhere without me. And it becomes ugly. And all of a sudden, now there, maybe there's a competition. Maybe that bitterness spreads. And instead of linking arms with people and going, let's go serve joyfully together, because this is what we're called to do, this bitterness begins to spread. Why would we show up for that? Why, they're not going to thank us anyway. Why would we even do it? And that begins to spread throughout the church. And it's an ugly, ugly thing. God has called some to serve and to train others to serve to the glory of God and to the furthering of his kingdom. The next gift that we're going to look at kind of ties in with service. This is one of those, again, where it's not uncommon for these to be partnered together in someone. They're not always, but it's not uncommon. And that's the gift of mercy. Romans 12, 6, and 7. We already read this passage, but read it again. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. God has gifted some with the ability, a supernatural ability, to show mercy. So what is the gift of mercy? One author says it like this. The Holy Spirit gives the spiritual gift of mercy in some of the church to love and assist those who are suffering and to walk with them until the Lord allows their burden to be lifted. Another says it like this. To be sensitive towards those who are suffering, whether physically, mentally, or emotionally, so as to feel genuine sympathy with their misery, speaking words of compassion, but more so, caring for them with deeds of love to help alleviate their distress. The gift of mercy is more than just, I heard a story and something, something in me went, aw, that's so sad. There's this compelling in my spirit, I have to do something. Maybe it's words of encouragement, but I like how this last author said it, but more so caring for them with needs of love, or with, uh, excuse me, with deeds of love to help alleviate their distress. The gift of mercy is a very practical gift. I'm going to come alongside those that I see hurting, those that I see in need, and I'm compelled to do something about it. Not just say, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. Mm, that's hard. But I'm compelled to do something about it. So how do I know if I have the gift of mercy? The gift of mercy is founded on God's mercy toward us as sinners and is constantly expressed with measurable compassion. Those with this gift are able to weep with those who weep and to bear one another's burdens. They are sensitive to the feelings and circumstances of others and can quickly discern when someone is not doing well. They're typically good listeners and feel the need to simply be there for others. You, you see the practicality of this gift. I see someone in need, and again, there's, there's this compelling to enter into that need with them, to walk with them through that, to practically come alongside them. There's this joy and this fulfillment, not that comes from, yay, people are hurting, but I feel honored to get to walk alongside them in this. And I see the Lord bringing comfort as I meet with them in this. 
These people are moved to action by sympathy. So why is the gift of mercy important? We as a church, and again, this is global church, whether you can look at the alliance, you can look at the church, we are called to be known by our mercy. Jesus in a parable talks about uh, a servant who is called in who owns an insane debt to his master, and the master shows mercy to that servant, forgives his debt, and sends him out. Those of you that know the story, when that servant goes and finds another servant that owes him some money, what's he do? He actually starts choking him. Pay me back what you owe me. And he has him thrown into prison until he can pay off his debt. And the master looks at him and says, you wicked servant, you didn't get it at all. We are called to show mercy, every single one of us in this room, because we've received mercy. Every one of us was dead in our sins, deserving of hell and separation from God, and we were shown mercy. Now God says, go and show mercy to the world around you, and actually they'll know that you're with me because of that mercy. But this is another one of those places where we as a church are not going to do well in this if we don't have people gifted with mercy leading the way. Let me share with you guys, and this will not be a surprise to some of you, I don't have this gift. Really? We're laughing? Okay. This is not a gift that the Lord has given me. Am I, does that take me off the hook? I don't have to be merciful to people. I don't have to meet people in distress. I don't have to try to help meet their needs. Does that let me off the hook? Not at all. But let me tell you, if you are in the hospital or if your family is going through something, I'll come and I will pray with you and I will try to help you because I love you. And I'll leave, let's say, that hospital room and it'll stick with me. I'll get home, I'll talk with Kim about it and I'll say, yeah, it broke my heart and this happened. And I will go to sleep and I'll wake up the next morning and I've forgotten the whole thing. I've moved on to whatever is in front of me for that day. I have to be diligent about, I set alarms on my phone, I put things on my calendar, notes in my car that remind me to be merciful. Get a hold of that person and check in, see how they're doing, see if there's any needs they have that you can meet with them. I've had to learn to do some of that because it's not that I don't love you, it's not that I don't love the people around me. This is not my gift and I'm wired to deal with what's in front of me and I will forget. And I will walk away. And the next time somebody goes, oh yeah, what about that family that's in that situation? My heart's going to break again and I'm going to go, oh man, that's right. Have we done what we needed to do? Did we, like, I'm right back there again. I love those people. But what I need is someone with the gift of mercy to be in it with them for the long haul. To, to grab me by the arm and go, hey, this need is still out there. How are we going to meet it? Hey, I'm, I'm going to go over and visit that family. Why don't you come along with me? There's this need they have. We're, we're putting something together. Do you want to be a part of that? I need someone with that gifting bringing me along. Because otherwise, I'll just plain forget. We as a church need those with the gift of mercy to lead us. Back in the ancient world, uh, when there was plagues like going throughout every major city in the world. People were evacuating every major city in the world by the thousands, by the tens of thousands, to try to escape these plagues. The Christians, I believe, led by those with the gift of mercy, were flooding into the cities. 
because they said, we cannot let these people suffer and die alone. And so no matter the cost, we are going to go be with them in their distress. And they would show up and they would nurse them, most of them until they died. A lot of times even getting those same diseases and plagues themselves. But they were driven forward by the gift of mercy. We can't just tell these people, man, that stinks, sorry, and walk away. We have to do something. And because of the church flooding into the cities, into those danger zones, and living out mercy and compassion, Christianity became a major world religion. The, uh, the Caesar at the time, the king of Rome, saw that and went, what the heck is going on? Who are these people? Why would they do this? And later he himself adopts Christianity and it becomes the major Roman religion and there's some bad things that have come from that as well. I'm not trying to say, and it's all been great since then. But people looked at the mercy, the compassion that the church was living out and all they could do is scratch their heads. There has to be something to this God they serve because normal people don't do that. Normal people don't care that much, and especially about strangers. And they took notice of our God because people with the gift of mercy led the way. And the church followed suit. And everything was different from that point on. So what does the gift of mercy look like without character, without maturity? The gift of mercy, those who have it, you will lose hope. Because if it's about you feeling good, there's going to be a lot of time in there where it just plain does not feel good. If it's about you getting recognition, you won't. Not often enough. If it's about everyone hearing how you live and going, let's go, and this, it's not always going to be that way. Without the kind of character that says, Lord, I'm going to be faithful to show mercy and compassion because that's how you've wired me. Regardless of how people respond, this kind of selfless, I'm going to come alongside and serve because you've called me to. Without that kind of character, you will lose hope. You will become calloused and bitter. I tried to help. They didn't recognize it. Maybe somebody told me no. Maybe, and, and eventually we'll just pull back and we'll go, fine, I'm done. And we as a church will suffer because of it. If God has given you the gift of service, the gift of mercy, again, I understand these aren't the flashiest gifts, but they are the down in the trenches gift. These are the front lines of what we're to be about as a church. And they are so countercultural that when the world around us sees true service, sees true mercy, they will take notice of our God because they don't know what to do with it. These gifts have an opportunity to make such a countercultural impact in our city, in our state, and in our world. If we would truly live out of these, if those of you that have these gifts would live into them and would link arms with the rest of us and help us move forward, we as a church would make a difference. These spiritual gifts are a lot like a Jenga tower. You start pulling one out and the whole thing starts wobbling. Let me tell you, service and mercy, they're foundational. You pull these out, the whole thing crumbles. 
And listen, we're, we're going to say that honestly about a lot of the gifts. But these ones are so foundational. The world around us is so devoid of true service and mercy that when they see it for what it really is, they will take notice. So what we're going to do uh, by way of response, and listen, I know this is going to be difficult, because especially if you have the gift of service and the gift of mercy, there's a decent chance you do not like the spotlight. And I get that. But I'm going to ask for some boldness, because what we're going to do is I'm going to have the elders, uh, I won't make you guys come up and stand now, but in a minute, I'll have the elders come forward, and they're going to be here to pray with you. If you find yourself, as I'm talking about these gifts, something inside of you is going, that's it. God is kind of tugging on your heart and saying, this is a gift that I've given you, but you're going, I don't understand it. I don't know how to use it. I'm not very good at it. Come and have these men pray for you. If you're sitting here and something in you is going, I want that gift. There's a passage we looked at last week where the Apostle Paul says to seek greater gifts. I don't think he necessarily means greater like this one's a one, this one's a five, but the gifts that will help me serve the kingdom the greatest. And if there's something in you that's going, I want that, I'm going to ask you to come forward and to be prayed for. Paul, talking to Timothy, says this, Do not neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Timothy, who went out as this church planter and, and advanced the kingdom, received the gifts that he had, that he needed, when the elders gathered around him, laid hands on him, and prayed over him. I can't, I can't map this whole thing out and tell you why exactly it worked that way, but, but it did. There is something about having the elders of the church lay hands on you and pray over you. Where I believe that God will release gifting in us. That God will empower us. We've had that gift, but we're not sure. God will show us a way. Something in us is stirring. I, I, I want that gift. I want to lead others in that way. That, there's, that God may release that gift. So, I'm going to ask the elders to come up. And as we sing our last song... Uh, if you feel led, again, be bold. Come up to one of these elders, and they're going to ask you three questions. Well, they're going to do three things. First, they're going to say, going back to last week, is there any area of your life that you're aware of that the Holy Spirit doesn't have full access to? Because sometimes the reason that we're not able to utilize and understand our gifts is because the, that filling of the Holy Spirit we talked about that brings maturity and character, we're holding Him at arm's length. So the first thing that they're going to say is, is there any area of your life that, that you're aware of, none of us is perfect, but that you're aware of, that the Holy Spirit doesn't have access to? Next, they're simply going to ask, is this, the gift, is this a gift that you have or that you're seeking? And then they're simply going to pray as the Holy Spirit leads them. Does that make sense? Is that terrifying to some of you? Mm-hmm, Okay. I'm going to, as we close, I'm going, to, I'm going to invite the elders, if you guys would come up now. And probably over here, if you're behind those speakers, it's a little quieter um, for praying. I'm going to ask these guys to come up, and I'm going to pray. And one of the things I'm going to pray for is just boldness. I believe that if we'll act in obedience, God will release his giftings. God will move the church where he wants it to be if we're willing to be obedient. But sometimes it's that hard first step. So will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, would you move in boldness? God, for those that, that there's a stirring in their heart right now, 
Give them the boldness to respond. It's not about us, Lord Jesus. It's not about people seeing us come to the front or not. It's, it's simply about following where you're leading. Would you give them boldness to follow and to come up? Lord, uh, as these elders pray over them, would you give them wisdom and discernment uh, in how to pray and what to pray for? And Lord Jesus, we pray that you move through your Holy Spirit, that you would fill those that come asking, that you would release your gifting. And God, with that, that you would give these men and women wisdom in how to use the gifting you're giving them. Continue to move in our church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.